Runoff, a crime novel about election fraud, evokes a curious timelessness of classic detective fiction. A noir gem, says Mystery Scene Magazine. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 21. Dial D for Duckworth. Hello, shithead, was the first thing I heard after fumbling open my cell phone from the comfort of my Galaxy 500. I had hiked back to where it was parked after getting a surprise hug goodbye from the suddenly sentimental Cassia. Mom, I said into the phone, how did you get this number? I'm not your goddamn mother. I'd have sold you to the circus if I was. It's Kathleen Wilmont. I swung my feet onto the bench seat of the galaxy and leaned back against the driver's side door. Got my package, did you? No, I thought I'd call to chat you up. Of course I got your package. I'm not going to let you ruin this campaign by passing that DVD on to the media. Maybe you should have thought of that before you sent Diego to attack me from behind. I can see the lead now. Green Party campaign manager Kathleen Wilmont caught on video. A sound that was almost a snarl came over the line. I did not send Diego to attack you. The fact I was in the car doesn't mean I sent him over. You took two unrelated events and made them seem like they were connected. And don't think I don't know where you got the video. You wouldn't have bupkis if that pedophile priest hadn't hung his little DV camera out the window to film the whole thing in porno vision, just like he does with the choir boys. Golly, Ms. Wilmont, for someone who feels her actions have been misconstrued, you sure are quick to jump on the pedophile bandwagon with the padre. Can it, Reardon? What do you want? I want to meet with you to talk about election fraud, and I want some straight answers. Be at Padilla Campaign Headquarters in an hour, corner of 13th and Mission. I started to ask how she'd enjoyed the homeless flyer I'd stuffed in the envelope with the video, but the line clicked off before I got the opportunity. I rummaged through my jacket pockets to extract the two rolls of paper I'd salvaged from the barbecue at the garage. I unspooled a portion of each in turn and took a closer look at the information printed on them. In my small sample, the votes cast for mayor were spread pretty evenly, but it seemed as if Chow had garnered the most. I rewound the rolls and took a closer look at the signatures of the precinct judges. There was a Joe, a Lee, a Hu, and one lonely guy named Shlomo Rabinowitz. The odds were three to one that the audit trails had come from a Chinese precinct, but I figured I knew one person who could tell me for sure. I opened up the phone again and kept pressing buttons until the directory of names and numbers Gretchen had preloaded for me appeared on the display. I dialed D for Duckworth and selected his mobile number. I can't believe it, he said when he picked up. August Reardon called me from his cell phone. The next thing you know, monkeys will be text messaging. I'm already one up on the monkeys. I got my first message this morning. How'd you know it was me? 
Gretchen text messaged your number when she got the phone for you. Okay, drop it with the messaging already. I got a question for you. What can you tell me about paper audit trails and the CVT voting machines? Chris gave a satisfied chuckle. You name it. I read the manual front to back. What do you want to know? Well, for starters, what do they look like and what happens to them after the voting's over? Hold on a sec, said Chris in a quieter voice. I better go into a conference room. I heard the sea and a seashell sound of someone muffling a cell phone, and then a door opening and closing. Okay, I'm back. I didn't want my co-workers listening to me spout off about the machines. There's been some developments here, and everyone's getting very paranoid. What kind of developments? First things first. You ask what the audit trails looked like. They're printed on rolls of thermal paper, about three or four inches across. There's a window on the machines that lets you see the printout of your votes before you confirm your ballot. Once you do that, the machine advances the paper to a take-up spool, so that the next person who uses the machine doesn't see how you voted. And what happens to them when the precinct closes? They run the shutdown procedure on each of the machines, and it advances the paper some more and prints signature lines for the precinct judges. Then they open the machines to remove the take-up spool, The judges sign the roll to certify that no hanky-panky went on, and they put it in a special bag that is taken to election headquarters, along with the USB drives that have the electronic record of the votes from each machine. I gave my lower lip a good chewing while I thought that over. So the idea is if the electronic vote is somehow compromised or disputed, they can go back to all the paper rolls and recount the votes by hand. That's the theory but it'd be a gigantic pain in the ass if they had to recount all the votes that way. The printing's hard to read. It begins fading almost immediately because of the thermal paper, and when people change their mind about a vote before they confirm their ballot, the original vote is marked canceled and another copy is printed, which makes it all the harder to tally. The bottom line is they'd never use the rolls to do a full recount. They might use them for spot checks if they had some other reason to be suspicious. What if you did find a way to hack the electronic vote? Wouldn't you have to fake the audit trail to cover your tracks? Ideally, but like I said, it'd be very impractical to actually use them for a recount. My guess is if you were careful not to raise any suspicions, you could leave the original rolls alone and no one would even bother looking at them. But if you were being thorough, you'd print phony audit trails to match your phony electronic results and replace the originals. Then you would, yeah, yeah, destroy the originals. I just don't think it would be worth the trouble. Well, somebody may have. I've got two charred rolls showing votes that seem to total in Chow's favor. Chris whistled. (whistles) Maybe I'm not the only one doing work in this partnership after all. It's not a partnership. Think of yourself as an unpaid intern. You got the unpaid part right. What's the number printed under the judge's signature lines? 338, then there's a dash, then 05. 338 is the precinct number. It's from District 3, Chinatown. All of the precinct numbers there start with 3. I made a point of checking that when I started. The 05 is the number of the particular machine at the precinct. 
I put both of the rolls on the Galaxy dashboard and leaned back to admire them. They looked like the tape from an old adding machine. It was hard to believe the sanctity of the election depended on such a primitive audit mechanism. Good, I said finally. At least I can give the Dragon Lady news of some real progress. But you said you had developments at your end. Yes, I hate to one-up you, but they've determined somebody put a logic bomb in the voting machine software. How's it work? I don't know. I'm not even supposed to know they found a problem but I managed to sniff some instant message traffic, and I saw my boss talking about it to the CEO, Dozier. First with the text messaging and now with the instant messages, I'm not even going to ask. Do they know who did it? Not really, but the name Guyberger came up. There was a pause, and then I heard the door being opened again. I'll be out in a minute, said Chris to someone outside. The door closed, and then he came back to speak in a hurried whisper. They're having a meeting here. I've got to go. Okay, but find Guyberger's address for me. Talk about intern abuse, he said, and hung up. You have been listening to Runoff a book hard-boiled great James Crumley described as a smart, funny, spooky, often touching, always entertaining romp. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com.